Hey, you have all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Welcome. I, I, I hope I think you're in the right place. This is Sleep With Me, presenting Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with an episode discussion, then a discussion of stuff I thought about uh, when I was rewatching the episode. And then some other stuff. All you got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what, what do I mean? What am I going to do? I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, racing through your brain, uh, you know, poking at you. I'm going to distract you from that. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones. I'm going to talk about it in a somewhat lulling, meandering fashion. But first I'm going to go through Season 5, Episode 1. And you know, you know, do a little. Uh, what do they call it when you you you, 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 you do over gush gushing? I'll do some gushing. I'll do so a little bit of worrying. We a little bit of worrying we had at the, the top, close to the top of this episode. But I'll talk about it. Then I'll say, hey, you know, some things I talked about in the past. Valerian steel. I didn't know what the hell that was. I pro- I already forgot what it was, but I talked about that once. Or I talk about um. I think we late last week or the week before we talked about what's a country bumpkin. I said, well, so country bumpkin is this. So I'll talk about stuff like that. So if you don't fall asleep during the episode discussion, you know, when you get to the third or fourth topic, you might be like, well, you had me a country bumpkin. But once you said, you know, once you said Oshkosh Bagash, I said, my gosh, I'm asleep. I'm awake for work. I don't remember the rest of that podcast. And that's how it works. Ideally, I distract you, and, you know, from whatever's keeping you up. I got a pretty specific image in my mind because our friend Kate, our friend Kate, is going through a case of frozen shoulder. I said, uh, "Hey, what's frozen, frozen, frozen shoulder?" Remember, I was saying I, that's, I like to pronounce that. But she sent me an image of a uh, cartoon where the person said, "Hey, Doc, what's?" Uh, or the Doc said, "Hey, you, you know, you got some frozen shoulder there. Sorry to tell you." And it was like a little on the person's shoulder. This is why I don't do a, a the comic strip. I guess I could do a comic strip podcast where I talk about comics. That would be pretty boring too. Uh, but it was like a little igloo, a little igloo, frozen igloo on this guy's shoulder, melting, but still frozen. And then a little, uh, you know, North Pole guy or South Pole, oh, sorry, South Polars, uh, with his little parka. Animals, uh, spears, you know, uh, pike or something. Uh, and so that's frozen shoulder. And that pretty much sums it up to me. Because that little guy there, you know, you got that little guy, you got the ice cold igloo on your shoulder. Poor Kate. And now, yeah, we got other people going, you know, J- J- a couple other people. But anyway, let's stick with Kate here. Focus, Podman. You know, and you got this guy poking at you. You not only do you have a frozen igloo on there, but you got this guy poking, poking, poking. So that's Kate's situation. But here's how the podcast works. I ends up, I can fit in that tiny igloo. Now, Kate might say, oh, there's Scooter, the, the pod, pod man. Honey, Scooter's here. And, then, and Kate's little partner or her husband or wife or whatever will say, oh, okay. And then um, uh, say, don't worry, Kate, I'm going to get in this uh, igloo. I'll just be talking. And she'll say, okay, well, I, won't, I don't know if I'll be listening, but... Uh, and then the guy with the staff there, he'll say, wait a second, did uh, did you say Scooter's in the igloo? And she'll say, yeah, yeah, he's going to be telling some stories in there. 
And then the little guy that's poking Kate all night, he'll say, he'll say, uh, what do you think? You think he's going to talk about Oshkosh Bagash at all? Because I love it when he says Oshkosh Bagash. And I've always wondered, you know, the history of the, you know, the Bagashes. It was, was it uh, the great Bagash, the industrial revolutionist, uh, you know, titan of uh, industry, Mr. Bagash. So, okay, Kate, I'm not going to poke you for a little while. I'll be in, in the igloo listening to Scooter. And then Kate will be like, okay. And she'll probably hear me droning on through the uh, igloo. It'll be a little muffled, like, okay, Santa. Oshkosh, but anyway, once you, once you hear me say stuff like Oshkosh, gosh, you know, okay, well, this ain't exactly Roman Mars we're dealing with here. So, uh, you know, I have a glass, this is not. So I'm going to kind of tune it, you know, I'm going to drop my mental attention level from a four to a one. Meanwhile, I will talk about stuff that's, you know, well, there's something about that Oshkosh, but gosh, that I've wondered about. So if you can't sleep, you might say, well, I stand a chance here. It's not an awful night. But ideally, I'll be in the igloo. The little pokey guys will be in there with me. I'll be chatting while Kate is sound asleep. That's how this podcast works. Uh, if it's your first time here, you might be saying to yourself, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. And I'd say exactly, it does not. I agree with you uh, totally. You know, but some, it doesn't make any sense, but it, it somewhat works. And you might say, studies show that uh, igloos and um, men with... Uh, you know, spears that they don't exist on people's shoulders. And even if they did, you you wouldn't be able to get in that igloo. And, and I say, yeah, well, you know, trust me. Hey, what do, I, what, do you, what, do I, what do you got to lose if you can't sleep? You know, sure, I've got these crazy fangled, uh, you know, theories about shoulder igloos and shoulder polar guys uh, that have not been, you know, that, have, that science and uh, both science and religion have turned their backs on me. But... And not to mention all those poor Swedish scientists, uh, you know, upset with the non-listening skills. But but, but it, it just might work for you. It doesn't work for everybody. But if you can't sleep, I'd say try it out. And hopefully it helps. If it doesn't, you know, there's plenty of other stuff out there. You can ask me about it. And as a matter of fact, you can find us on the web sleepwithmepodcast.com. Uh, Game of Drones episodes, as the general likes to hear, slash drones. You can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. If you have any questions about uh, my polar theories, they're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, I'm working on the abstract and the uh, the theorems are in the beakers. They won't be out. So be a long wait if you want me to write any of that down. But you can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast. Give me on Twitter at Dearest Scooter. Twitter, did I say Twitter? Uh, I wonder if that was a choice. Like, sweater or Twitter? What do you guys think? Sweater it sounds a little bit like sweater and sweat. Sweater. Sweater. Yeah, I guess depending on where you are in the country, you say, honey, are you on sweater? Yeah, dear. It's in my backpack. Um, so even the jokes here, only the miniature polar men laugh at. Uh, maybe a couple of seals. Is, uh, baby seals would be very relieved that this guy's going in the igloo too, the miniature baby seals. I wonder where they live. Probably in Kate's hair. There's probably miniature baby seals in there sleeping or something. Maybe behind the ear. That'd be good warm for them. But yeah, so Facebook. We're on Facebook. Sorry, I got a little distracted. Facebook, Twitter, email, post on the website. 
you can send us a snail mail. Just go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash S-A-S-E. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what are we going to, what am I going to, speaking of polar, how about some polar tech fleece? That's what uh, sleep phones come wrapped in, in their headphones inside a polar tech fleece headband. You can pick up a pair uh, from sleepwithmepodcast.com slash sleep phones on Amazon. We get a small percentage of that, but, you know, it's, it's it'll help uh, if you're going to buy them. I, I bought them. No, they're not a sponsor. I got, well, I didn't buy them. I asked for them for Christmas. I got them for Christmas. I've been using them, and they're great. And also, if you assume com slash headphones is a less expensive option, that's not a polar fleece headband if you don't like that nonsense on your head. But that's one way to help the podcast out a little bit. Or if you're just going to do any shopping on Amazon, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Amazon. And I'd like to thank all the people that have been shopping on there. So thank you very much, and let's move on. Hey, gods, it's me, uh, Brarin in, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Chester. Oh, I didn't realize I might have to talk. Well, let's wait till later in the season to talk about all this religious stuff going on. But, I, you know, I'm a prayer of thanks. Thankfulness, uh, you, you know, you, I guess you could infer. I know I talked to you guys about assuming, inferring, you know, my my utmost praise and thanks to you all. But I want to thank specifically Chris Posty, Posterson, who does our music. Uh, so, so, Sir Scotty, Lady Jennifer, who do our artwork. You know, I have a lot of people. I've been so many people to thank. I can't always thank the people I love. You know, the Lord and Lady. This podcast has a Lord and a Lady. And what better time to mention it than in a discussion at Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they've been ruling over this podcast in the, in, the, in the nicest way possible. But just in case they change it, we got Nick Van Corfinam 3 to defrenestrate them if necessary. It's a de, it's defrenestration. Is it defrenestration or fenestration? Defenestrate. Fenestrate. Uh, but it's defenestration week here on the podcast anyway. But I guess some new, new, you know, social people checking in this week. Do they? I think Craig the Human, Jeremy. I hope he's feeling better. Craig, is there? Another? There might be two Craigs to thank. Uh, both from Twitter. Uh, over on Facebook, I want to say hi and thanks to Oliver P. Rena or Rena. And her boyfriend, uh, she just, you know, left her job. It was pretty stressful. Uh, good old Bonnie the Baroness uh, and Faye, uh, Faye uh, wife of Ahab, Christopher T., uh, Joel D., he had to hit up three courthouses in one day. Uh, so, you know, if anybody watches Better Call Saul, I can't even imagine the parking involved in that. Chris and M, I want to thank Chris and M and her sister's husband. Sister's husband uh, is, uh, you know, keep up the good work. One listener initiative, Julie C. She's, her and her family, guys, you know, I've said, I think I said some prayers to you guys a while back. Sounds like you followed through on it, taking care of Julie C and her family, going through a little bit of a tough time. Uh, Laura and Alexandra. 
Uh, Eli, Eli's got a, you know, Eli, we were talking about Eli on Twitter. Now we're talking about Eli on Facebook. Same Eli. Ends up, he has crypt. He says, yeah, we might have the same hairs. Mine's a little bit like the crypt keeper if I wore it out. That made me laugh a lot. And then I thought about some more. I laughed again. And now I'm laughing now. Uh, yeah, boy. Anyway, you know, God's pro tip. Why should you, like I said, I give pro-am tips because I'm not up to the pro part. You know, learn from Eli. Throw throw a crypt keeper reference in into stuff. You know, if it's proper, like Eli is actually uh, uh, relevant to the. It's funny. You know, crypt keeper hair is funny. Uh, I want to say hi to Patty, Josh, A, Laura G, Metali, Jen W, Kimberly. Oh, Jen W. She's Kimberly. Kimberly's one plus one listener initiative. So another example of keeping up the good work. Listeners and gods, obviously gods, I don't know if it's work for you. You know, keep up the good, uh, what do you guys, do you guys call it work? Because you do gods, and then, oh, plural problem, gods. Is it gods' work? Am I doing gods' work? Gods' is gods. Property of the gods. It gets confusing. I'm like, is it okay? Is it which? You know, that's hard. Polytheists are like the left-handers of the religious people. We got it. And then I'm left-handed and polytheist. Fictional, like fictional, formerly fictional polytheism is probably, especially when you're left-handed, it's not easy. But that's why I work so hard to brand you every week, gods. Uh, emails, oh wait, Lida, 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 Lida Julie, you know, Chris Chick, our buddy, Juliet, Judy, Judy S. I think the emails, Summer, Summer kind of said some nice stuff, Aunt called me out. Some addressed Summer's concerns right quick, Miss Divine, Miss M, Logan. I also want to think we had a review from uh, Cash, Cash. Etoile, I think that's that's French something. maybe. I don't think that's right, but that's what I'm. in your marmalade. Boom, boom, It says we're like a Celtic storyteller. In lulling to sleep, droning on, musing, likes the uh, uh, reviews of Game of Drones and the um, guided meditations. Thank you for your review. And then, guys, you know, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, I talked about the silent majority. I don't know if you guys, guys, I still don't know if you listen to this podcast. Again, I don't know if you listen to it actively, passively. If you know you got your God Watch monitor on there, like saying, okay, if his keywords, uh, blasphemy, the crone, keywords, wrinkle, crone, uh, you know, then you're like, wait a second, what was that? Back that up. Uh, back time up so I can hear that again. Uh, you know, consequences, but well, it will flood the uh, planes. I said rewind earth so I can hear that again. Um. But I don't know how you listen to the podcast, but I say the silent, you know, I want to make sure the silent majority of the podcast feels the same love that the vocal, vocal people feel. But also there's this other, 
they're not the silent majority. They're not the vocal uh, vocal folks. They're the uh, uh, keep up the good work, one lesser initiative, and they're little, little like smaller communities out there, gods about issues, about issues and interests. Sometimes I can't even log into these communities, and I don't need to because I just gotta say thanks to all of you out there doing your sharing on your forums and your message boards. I, you know, anybody, feel free to share about the podcast on uh, uh, those telephone polls. But also, you know, any other ways, I appreciate it. You know, I don't, I might not even know what you're saying. And maybe you're like the uh, Swedish Listening Researchers Vengeance message board. And that's fine. They say uh, no talking about, no good news, no. No new, if people are talking about you, well, it makes me sick to my stomach thinking about people talking about me, good or bad. But people say, you know, people, the, the people, them, the, the, what did what Tyrion say in season three or four? They, the, uh, something, something, he said it better than me. And I can't even paraphrase it, but, you know, those people out there that are brighter than me, they say, yeah, people are talking, so thank you for sharing. All you keep up the good work, you know, especially you guys, obviously. Oh, boy, I'm just thinking about Crone, if you did have that monitor on. Hmm. Is that the only time you listen to me? Do I got to, like, uh, use, is that gray hat with gray hat prayers? Gray hat god shipping, where I, like, you know, like, is Google going to shut me down? Or the Google of uh, holiness? Because I say, well... You know, I'm going to throw some keywords in here that don't exactly have to do with my prayers. Uh, uh, crappy forges and um, uh, molten garbage and grains, sour grains. I don't know. What would, what would you search? What would you have alerts set for, uh, Miller? Jester, uh, drunk, drunk orgies. Uh, and then you'd say, hold a second. Was he praying about drunk orgies? I better check just in case. But you, well, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't have what would I call that the GMS God Management System. But we got we'll talk at the end of the show, guys. I got big plans. But I want to thank all the listeners for their support. All right, thanks. All right, hey folks, welcome to uh, Game of Drones season season five premiere uh, episode one. The wars to come. Wow, I mean, I, I was so happy to have the show back. It was so. So happy that I started worrying about it being being over. I said, "Oh man, it's like a ten day vacation, and one day's already over." But we we had a you know I watched my I watched it on HBO now on a browser on my uh, Mac Mini, and I had I didn't have any trouble and uh, it was great. Um, but it started out with like a lot of previews. We had like, oh, well, why is why, probably if you're like me, you said, what, "What? Oh, geez, there's a lot of Lancel in here. Oh boy." And um, then one thing that stuck out to me right away was that uh, I thought every other season, but I'm not positive on the episode one, they had a pre-roll where they had some action before the opening. This one, I do not believe they did. So uh, I don't know. But then we'll talk about a little misdirection to open up the episode. It was like, you know, you have these young, two young, young girls trudging through the woods uh, one girl's a little worried, and you say, well, she's worried about her father. Hmm. And then they're getting their dresses muddy, and they're going through a little bog-type. 
They say they didn't go through any bogs, but, you know, mud, I said. And then they see this little shack, and they go in, they start bugging this witch who seemed like she was trying to sleep. She was wearing a lot of eye makeup, the witch. I was definitely wondering who the other girl was. There was like, and we got in there where the witch was. There was like drying herbs and flowers. I was like, is this a yurt or a hut? And then the girl's like, you know, tell me my future. Or she said, you know, and then I was like, this sounded like something she said to me in dreams before, Cersei. She says, but something, she says, tell me or I'll have your two boring eyes gouged out. And usually she says something, you know, in my fantasies. So unfortunately, she said, yeah, tell me I have your two boring something gouged out with a uh, a melon baller. And I say, I didn't even kiss you yet, my sweet. And then she, you know, that's when she says, uh, you know, what is Sir Marin? And then I wake up, luckily. Um, but that wasn't in the episode. But she's like, yeah, tell me your, you know, tell me your future. And the poor woman's like, well, I'll have to have to taste your blood. And she's like, you get three questions. She did not pull the Yoda and say questions three, I don't think. But that's usually, so they stayed out of that little trap. And like, you're not going to like the answers. And she says, well, I've been promised to the prince. Uh, when are we getting married? She's like, never. Question one, wasted. And then she gets a free freebie. She's like, oh, well, you're going to wed the king. I don't know a prince. That was one good question. And she says, well, am I going to be queen? But I'll be queen. She says, oh, you'll be queen. And then uh, she says, uh, you know, for a time, there, and then there comes another younger, more beautiful to cast you down and take all you hold dear. And she says, it was even though it was a young, young Cersei with her whole life in front of her, she still was like, yeah. And then she says, well, the, will the king and I have children? And she says, nope, the king's going to have 20 and you will have three. And wait a second, is this a riddle? Or, oh, no, wait, Robert's a scumbag and Cersei and Jamie had some kids. She said, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. She's like, it won't make that much sense when you're an adult either. And she says, gold or shrouds. That was a little Yodi. Shrouds or gold? Gold or shrouds must be. And then she's like, we got to get out. The other girl's like, Cersei, we got to get out of here. And then her blood drips. And I was like, is that important or not? And then we get Cersei in one of those carrying uh, wagon things. And she's all lost in thought. And then she goes up these steps to the step, steps to the sept. She's wearing this lovely black dress. So this is going to be the black dress episode, just, you know, if you're keeping count at home. Or I guess if you wanted a dr drinking game for, for this episode, if you're going to rewatch it. But you guys are like, hey, you know, what are you doing? She's like, I got to go, you know, say goodbye to my father. These guys got away. He's like, oh, no, there's everybody. You can see they're already, like, giving her a little bit of disrespect. Because he's like, you know, these people are important people. We got places to go. They don't want to wait. They came. And she's like, they'll, you know, they're going to keep waiting. And then we go into the, the, the Sept of Baylor, I believe. And Jamie's down there. He's looking at Tywin with the rocks on his eyes. Very haunting. Uh, Tywin in black. That's the second, I think. I didn't write that down, but I'm trying to remember. And then we have some dialogue, you know, between Cersei and Jamie. Cersei. And he's like, he built it for us. He meant it for us. They're going to try to take it away. You know, and she's like, who are they? He's like, the people out there, you know, they're, they're going to work against us. 
And she's like, they don't, this, is, this is about Tyrion, not about these people out there. He's a bad guy. You're the buffoon who let him out, didn't you? And he's like, uh, and she like, really? They don't, they didn't overplay Jamie's lack of brightness. But she definitely knows it's this week. She says, uh, Ty- Ty- Tyrion's a monster, but at least he killed uh, Dad on, uh, on purpose, you, you, you idiot. And she says, you just do as you please. You don't care what happens. There's the consequences right there, Dad. And he loved you more than anything in the world. But I don't want to overcome him here, but hold. Obviously, Cersei knows how to manipulate people, Jamie included. But uh, I was like, wait, didn't she? Didn't she want? Wasn't this? I was like, wait, didn't she plan this out a little bit? Isn't it? Uh, I thought at the end of last season, I was like, huh, who was pulling the strings in this episode, really? So I'm like, who is she pulling Jamie's strings? She pulling my leg? Am I mixed up? I don't know. But she kisses Tywin on the forehead and breaks out of there. And then they play this, uh, I think it was a string or bass version of Reigns of Castamere. Very, very, very good. And then we start to see everything through this little hole. A porthole. It turns out it's a shithole, but, uh, you know, like a breathing hole. But that was a pretty cool effect. And then they break open the crate and uh, Tyrion rolls out. Varys is there. Varys is dressed in black. Not quite a dress, but uh, I don't know what they call that. A cloaky, uh, very, he, he looks smooth. Tyrion's got a little bit of black on, but he's, you know, he looks good for being in a crate, to be honest. And he's like, you know what it's like to go to the bathroom out these holes? He's like, I'm the one that clean it up, jerk face. And then he's like, what are we, in Pentos? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're in my buddy Olario, season guy from season one. You remember him? He's like, I don't watch the show. I'm on it. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, we're in a little club called the uh, Targaryen Restoration Club. Doesn't sell overpriced furniture. You know, we, we, we think Baratheon was a fool. And we, we tried to undo that damage, and we're still trying to undo it. And he says, hey, my lord. He's like, I'm not a lord anymore. I took my father out. He's like, I also took Shay out. But, you know, I feel bad about that. You know, mo- most royals might not. And he starts drinking. And Varys is like, you drank all the way across the sea. And he's like, yeah, in a box. Why Why would I stop now? And Varys is like, you know, I'm trying to be serious here. And, and T- Tyrion's like, uh, future looks terrible. Just like the past. Future shit, just like the past, I think. And then he pukes. Or I think. But I was like, oh, I can remember. That's like definitely a symbol of... I remember being like that when I drank. Being like, yeah, why not? Life looks bad in the front and the back. You're not really living in the present. At some point, Tuveris washed his hands. I think that was at the beginning, his old... He's got that hand-washing routine. I wonder if he's a germaphobe. I'm not sure about that. And then we have this awesome uh, scene where they pull the uh, giant harpy down from the top of this huge pyramid. Very cool, very cool. A huge pyramid, it looks like. Totally awesome. Uh, and it skids to a stop. And then right after that, we have like what I will crush like to say is a great gray worm scare of 2015 because I just about, you know, quit this podcast 
possibly quick Game of Thrones, because I said this guy comes on, shaved head, a little bit taller than Grey Worm, a little bit um, more model material, I would say. Not Grey Worm, you know, he was a bad-looking dude. And I said, what the hell is it? What's it? I said, wait a second. Who's it? And I was also, he's like wandering through the streets, through the brothel, through the uh, red light district. First thing, he smiled at the harpy after he hit the ground. And I'm like, wait a minute, please. I'm like, oh, no, don't do this to me. No, 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 Grey Worm. I, I loved Grey Worm. I'm like, please don't tell me you got rid of Grey Worm. And then this guy, he goes in and meets with him. She's like, the regular... And he's like, yeah, you know, topless, not bottomless, regular. And then they get in and they cuddle and she kind of sings them these lullabies. And then she's just kind of comforting him. And uh, she was in the back. He was in the front, I think. I think, yeah. And then this dude in this weird mask shows up, takes him out, which I was like, oh, boy. Uh, probably not Grey Worm. Uh, it's too bad for that guy, but I'm like, thank goodness, uh, it's not Grey Worm. And then we got, uh, Danny and Barrison and a couple other, a guy in a burlap shirt, I think is, uh, I wrote down his Masander. I think he's got a burlap shirt on. And like, yeah, those are the Sons of the Harpies as a resistance movement. And she's like, well, who is that? And she's like, White Rat. And I'm like, oh, or maybe she has Grey Worm that, because Grey Worm is there. And she's like, we got to get this city under control. You know, find these guys and bring them to me. And they're, they're, they're like, uh, first she says, bury gray worm, or bury a white rat, you know, with honor in the big temple. And she's like, I think that's when Masander or whatever he, Masam, whatever he says, yeah, they're going to go like that. She's like, good, angry snakes lash out. Makes chopping off their heads that much easier. And then the next scene is Grey Worm and his soldiers getting ready, and then who shows up but my interpreter, uh, Masandra, Masanda, uh, Masanda, Masande, Masande. Uh, and I was like, I, oh man, I, whew, uh, as far as Game of Thrones goes, this I was like literally. I mean, I, talk about a crush. Holy mackerel. I don't think. For me, she's the most beautiful woman on Game of Thrones. I was just like, wow, whoa, whoa. But then initially they have this cute little moment. And I said, well, it's a Grey Worm's back, so keep it to yourself, you know. But it's this touching moment. She's like, hey, what happened to White Rat? You know, he was with the brothels. And Grey Worm's like, I don't know if you know. I don't know. She's like, why do all the guys go down there? What are they doing? And she's like, you know, I you know, like I could, you know, let's talk about it. I could do it for you, maybe. I mean, she didn't say that, but her eyes say it. And Grey Worm's got that great Grey Worm face he makes where he's just like, uh, can't tell if he's confused. He's trying to make, you know, he's trying to lock his heart off for protection. But he says, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I got to, you know, I got some work to do. So we'll see you later. Which, in the scheme of things, would probably work for him because it seems like, you know, I don't have a chance. And, I, I you know, so, uh, so, but, you know, I hope things work out with them, you know, because I like Grey Worm. But that ended the great Grey Worm scare 2015. So that was a relief that we didn't lose our buddy. And in the next scene, we're up at Castle Black. Jon Snow's in training mode with Potato Kid. 
And Jasnov's like, keep, keep, keep your shield up. Keep your shield up. He said it three times. A real tough love situation. You got his wolf in the background eating some giant bone. And then you get a little Sam and Gilly. She's like, hey, shouldn't you be uh, training out there? He's like, oh, Gilly, you know, I, I've accidentally killed more than one person. So I'm much deadlier, you know, when I, you know, I'm an improv fighter. I, you know, I, I'm from a school of improvisational fighting, which, you know, works pretty good. I've, you know, I got the record for the most deadliest kills. And then we see Sir Alistair and that other guy. I don't even know. I forgot his name. And they're like talking about this election. Is it going to be him or they pick like Alistair and Malister, I think, was running against each other. But that guy, he looked like there was something about his hair. I was like, did you just get out of bed? Like, what the heck's up with your hair, Alistair? I mean, they should, I, I should be the one in the Night's Watch. Uh, you know, the one that gets beat up, I, I could be the smart ass. They don't have Pip. Oh, oh, Pip. Oh, boy. You know, they didn't really have one. Sam's, I guess, the closest. So some might say that uh, that guy, uh, what's his name again? I forgot his name. Sam's a buddy that's still alive. He's kind of a, he's got more of a dry sense of humor, though. But Gilly's like, you know, don't let them kick us out, whatever you do. And Sam says, oh, no, no, they're not kicking us out ever. And then the red woman's there, but she's in black again. Castle black, men in black. And uh, she says, uh, the king wants a word. And then, uh, you know, we get this great scene with Jon Snow and and, uh, and the lady in red in the uh, elevator. And she's kind of trying to be all lusty. But Jon Snow's kind of got his, you know, his, he's like, he's making that Jon Snow face. Uh, and he's like, you're not cold, my lady. And she goes, the Lord's fire lives inside me, Jon Snow. You want a little, you know, touch? And he's like, yeah, yeah, well, uh, I said, well, actually, I have a thing for redheads, but, you know, not evil ones. Well, uh, more, you know, gray area. Are you, gray, your God, is it definitely evil or... Uh, could he be gray? Never mind. And she said, by the way, are you a virgin? He says, hell no. I'm John, you know, Snow. And she says, oh, good. And that was like, wait a second, good. Huh, interesting. And then she introduced, she says, oh, here's the bastard of Winterfell. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the bastard of Winterfell. And then you have the Onion Knight and Stan is standing out looking over the north. And Jon Snow bends his, bends his knee right down. And he's like, blah, 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 you know, is a Bruce Bolton. I, I don't even rue him. He, he, he skipped right to the vengeance. And he says, don't you want to go get vengeance on him? And uh, Jon says, hey, you know, I want a great many things, my grace. But, you know, I got well, He said, yeah, because I don't have a thing against the wildlings. They're just born on the wrong side of the wall, which I think appeals to Onion Knight's sense of... Uh, you know, I don't know what his sense of like you know class exploitation, the Onion Knight's uh, affinity for people from uh, Gin Alley, so or Gin Bottom, Flea Bottom. But Sam says, you know, he's like, I'm gonna you know take the North, I'm gonna take Roose Bolton now. But you know, I need some more men, so I want the, uh, the Wildlings to fight for me. And he's like, I'll pardon them, which I'm like, well, pardon them for what, jackass? And he's like, I'll give him a citizenship. I'm like, I think that's what the U.S. might do. So that's, you know, that's not exactly 
I'm like, you, you, you ain't giving citizenship after they fight for you? And he says, I'll even give them, I'll throw some land in. How about that? It's a fair deal. He goes, but Mance has to kneel. And John's like, that's not going to happen. And he's like, I know you like that guy. Talk, you know, talk him out of it or, you know, we're going to have to light him up like, a, you know, a bonfire. And John says, well, I don't know how, how long I got. He's like, till nighttime. Oh, it's almost nighttime. Hurry up. And then we have this uh, shot of Baelish, Lord Rice Baelish and Sansa sitting there watching, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, the kid that nursed his mother for too long. It'll come to me maybe. Robin Aaron, and he's getting his butt kicked. And again, they're like, shield up, your lord. You know, attack. And they see, they really make fun of him. And they're like, don't cross your feet. And he falls down. And they say something else. Then Baelish gets a secret note, and he reads it, slips it in his pocket. And Royce is like, this guy, this kid's a buffoon. And he's like, well, he's got other gifts, good name, or great name. And he's like, sometimes that's all one needs. And he's like, you know, okay, we well, he goes, keep him here, keep him safe. Me and my, me and my, uh, my friend will be back here, my plutonic friend Sansa. Then we get a little scene with Brienne and Podrick, and Podrick's still trying to make the best of a bad situation. She's like just sharpening his sword and he's like i'm your squire she's like you're not i'm not a lady i'm you're not a squire cut this act out i was just you know i'm ditching you and pod's like no 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 and then she's in the same as Tyrion. she's like i'm giving up the everybody's jerks and i'm done with this i thought you know i want to i just want to fight for a good lord and patrick's like don't forget your oath me lady and she's like i don't even forget that oath I, you know i'm not i am gonna forget it she goes, the good guys are dead, the rest are monsters. And then right when she says that, Baelish rolls into the scene with uh, his, like, uh, his little caravan. And Sansa's like, hey, where are we going? Uh, and he's like, hey, we're headed west, we're headed out west. Uh, you know, Lewis and Clark, Baelish and Sansa. And Sansa's uh, again, uh, she's, Sansa's getting a little more sharp. She's like, okay, uh. You know, what are you, trying to trick Royce? And he's like, he wouldn't have fooled us. And he's like, yeah, because you can't trust all the people that work there. And she's like, what about all the people that, you know, work on it? He's like, well, I pay them well, and they're afraid of me. And he's like, well, where are we? She's like, where are we going? Where, where, where are Lewis and Clark? He says, to a land so far from here, Cersei can't even get her hands on you. And I'm like, Cersei, well, you're so far. I'm like, wow, where are they going? And then we have a scene with Loras standing behind Cersei, and Cersei's still thinking and drinking. And Cersei's still thinking and drinking. He's like, oh, you know, he's blubbering on about her dad. And she sighs. She also sees Marjorie and Tom and do a little, uh, like, hand, hand, like, almost like a palm slide, like, hand-holding action. And he gets a goofy look on his face, and she runs into that blubbering maester. What is it? Is it he Lew Llewellyn, or was that a guy at a... I don't know, but he's a oh, I loathe that guy. And then Cersei's like we're talking to somebody, and then another burlap sack wearing person shows up. He's got no shoes on. It ends up it's Lancel. Uh, his dad's like, sorry, Lancel lost him. I'm like, whoa, 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 was that the freaking dude from uh, Star Wars? Was that freaking uh, the guy that played Anakin Skywalker? Uh, not the one in the first one, but the second two, what was his name, Hayden Christensen or something? I was like, whoa, was he just missing his little, uh, dog tail or whatever? The, uh, really, really, I was like, huh, in Padawan. 
And then Cersei grabs some wine. She's like staring out a window. At first I thought they were going for a little uh, tryst, as someone said on uh, re-watching the episode. But uh, And I was like, well, I feel a little jealous because I'm like, the guy's a, he's a weirdo now, but he was like uh, weird. It was weird. But he's like, hey, Cersei, sorry, I'm here to apologize for seducing you. And she's like, ha, 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 ha. And uh, he, he had a little wound. He had a chest, you know, chest, a uh, little chest exposed. He was showing some male meavage. What do you call male cleavage? Meavage? But she's like, she's like, I already recognize you. You're, you know, you're all grown up, not like when I was banging you. She's like, you're all grown up, not like when I was, uh, you know, taking advantage of you. And he's like, well, I'm making amends, so, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that. And she's like, uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I led you in a dark. She's like, you haven't led anyone anywhere. And but then Lancel lets on, he knows. I'm like, oh, this ain't good because he's like, he, he's like, uh, well, yeah, you know, I did a lot of bad stuff with you, you know, all those positions you taught me. Uh, like praising the queens. And then uh, it was like, you know, and then there was the boar hunt with the king and the wine and whatever the hell else evil stuff I did. But, you know, the seven will forgive us. And he's like, you find peace in their light too. And then he says, they watch over all of us, ready to dole out mercy or justice. The world is at hand. I'm going to pray for your dad. She says, the day Tywin's soul needs your help, buddy. And then we have uh, Loras uh, in bed with his lover, and, and they're looking at Loras's Dornish birthmark and, you know, kind of, you know, doing some pregame with the birthmark. But then Marjorie rolls in. She's like, we're late for dinner, and I'm hungry. And she has a little snack. And she says, what's your name? She's like eating a little grape or a grape tomato or something. And he says, Oliver. And Marjorie, he's like, she's like, hit the road, you know, we got to go to dinner. But then she gives him a look. Like, I'm like, is she a little lonely? Because uh, I do have a Roos Bolton fantasy fiction time machine and Grey Worms kind of horning in on, uh, you know, so. Uh, and then she says, I'll gouge you out your boring. Um, but then anyway, back to the scene. She says, and then Oliver leaves and she's like, what are you doing? being so open with your sexuality. And he's like, everybody's open about everything here. There's nothing to hide, but, you know, all the secrets are out. Uh, but then we get another little intrigue because uh, he, he says, uh, no one can force Cersei to marry me. But he's like, you know, she's going to want to get to uh, Highgarden. Uh, she'll have to say, you know, what if she has to stay in King's Landing with you and You'd be stuck, and she says, perhaps, and then he says, perhaps, and she says, perhaps. And I said, oh, boy, got ourselves a, a witch-predicted showdown here. Uh, and by the way, I know no spoilers. I haven't read the book, so please keep me spoiled. Stay, keep spoilers out of my hair. Uh, I know you guys don't usually like that anyway, but and then we have... Uh, Tyrion's drinking, and the spy, he's like, eunuch, spider, master, whisper. He's like, empath, man, what's up? And he's like, yeah, there's faster ways to kill yourself. He's like, not for a coward. And he's like, you're not a coward. And uh, he's like, why'd you rescue me? And he's like, well, you know, so he's like, you risked everything. You don't owe me anything. He's like, I did it for the kingdoms. 
And he's like, I'm a drunken imp. You know, I'm not going to do anything, you know, save anything. He's like, I don't believe in saviors. I believe in talent. You know, you have a part to play in the wars to come, or war to come. And he says, well, find another soldier. I'm done with this. And he said, you know, quit pitying yourself. Uh, you know, you need to earn some power instead of having it given to you. And he's like, well, I'm not so good suited for it. He's like, well, you have your father's instinct. You have compassion. And he's like, compassion? Did you see what I did to Shay? He goes, I, I shot my father with a crossbow. He's like, well, you're not perfect. He's like, well, what do you want? He's like, peace, prosperity, you know, land where the powerful don't pray and the powerless. Uh, and he's like, where castles are made of gingerbread and the moats are filled with blackberry wine. Because that's what it sounds like you're talking about. It's like, that's how the powerful become powerful. And he says, well, perhaps, again, the use of perhaps is, uh, comes up. And he says, perhaps we've gone to use this or there's no other way. He said, what do you mean, put me on the Iron Throne? I'm not going to be on the Iron Throne. And he said, you could help someone else get on there. And he's like, uh, someone stronger than Tom and gentler than Stannis, you know, who can intimidate the lords, inspire the people, loved by millions with an army and the right family name. He says, good luck finding him. He's like, him? I'm not talking about him. He's like, what do you say we take this show on the road? And go to Marine and meet Danny Daenerys Tar Tar Targaryen, buddy. See if, you know, the world's fighting for you. He's like, well, can I try to drink myself to death first on the road? He's like, yeah, well, yeah, if, if it'll get you there. But very good acting in that scene. At one point, even, you know, Dinklage Tyrion puts his head down and kind of talks with his head down. Great, great, great scene. Then we got Dario Naharis and the, the other guy from last season returning from Marine with some soldiers, or from Yunkai, and they're like, uh, hey, we're back, and uh, the guy, the politician-type guy, he's like, yeah, we just need some concessions, and uh, Khaleesi's like, I'm, a, I'm not giving you, I'm a queen, I'm not a politician. She has a lovely dress, she looks great, beautiful dress, very regal. And he's like, well, they want to open the fighting pits, and she's like, eh. And she's like, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little liberator. And then the next scene is, uh, you know, she's been liberated from her clothes, her and Harris, and they're having a little post-quid wine. Yeah, he was a little bit jealous, but this scene, I think, at least the guy, he talks about kind of his up coming up through the slave pits. He's like, you should open them up, and. Uh, He's like, let me tell you my story. Very similar to the original Conan the Barbarian story. I watched the first hour of that movie. I got to watch the rest of it. Uh, it was a great, great, uh, enjoyable movie. I wouldn't say great in the sense of, uh, but really entertaining. At some points, hilarious. But similar story, you know, and then... And, he's like, and then he's like, baby, you're the queen of dragons. You need some dragons. And she's like, you mean sex or my dragons? He's like, dragons, real dragons. And then we have Khaleesi going out in the dragon pit, and then she gets kind of surprised by the dragons. I'm like, oh, boy, uh-oh. And then we have a scene with a scene with, uh, we have a scene with Mance and uh, Jon Snow, and Mance is like, I already know what he wants, and... uh you know, I'm not going to, I can't do it. He's, you know, he's a bold guy. And he's like, I respect Stannis, but, uh, 
you know, I can't serve him. And then John tries a bunch of days. He says, well, I thought you were you're protecting your people. He was like, yeah, I don't want them, you know, getting hurt fighting for Stannis. And then he's like, well, you got brought these 90 clans together. And he quotes him, the Thens and the Hornfoots, Ice River clans, the Giants. You know, this is your life's work. If it wasn't for power or glory, you know, you brought them to stay on this side of the wall. You know, isn't that better than your pride? He's like, pride? This ain't about my pride. And he's like, those people believed in me. You know, if I bend down for a southern king, it's gone. And then John's like, what about the women and the children? And he's like, what, are you afraid of being afraid? And he's like, oh, no, I'm afraid. And then he's like, how are they going to do it anyway? Uh, You know, beheading, hanging. And he's like, well, they're going to burn you. He's like, you can see it wonderful, his face. He was like, oh, man, really? Oh, jeez. And it was, his eye starts to twitch, I think. And he's like, yeah, that's no good. And he's like, I don't want people remembering me like that. But, you know, I can't betray everything I believe in. And he's like, John sounds like, you're a real great hero, man. You should, you know, bend your knee. And he's like, there's no one going to be singing for you. And he's like, you're a good kid, John Snow, but you don't get it. And then John Snow's like, you're making a big mistake. I'm out. And he's like, that is all I fought for is the freedom to make a mistake. And then we're in the center of Castle Black. We got our little tri- trial going. And Sans like, hey, man, you know, I'm the king. You're going to bow and live? And he's like, well, this was my my home. And good luck. But, you know, we all choose. And then we get, you know, the, the speech we've been waiting. We hear the God talk. You know, we all have to choose, you know, young or old. We choose light or we choose darkness. We choose good or evil. Choose the good gods or the false. Free folk, there's only one king. It's Stannis. Here's the king of lies here. You know, watch what happens when you choose darkness. And then Mance goes to, like, suffer pretty badly, about to, and then uh, he's terrified. You can see, again, his wonderful acting, and everyone there is like, this is just uh, Stannis, man. I don't think you're, you know, exactly king of the year. You're not even, you're like uh, Joffrey. You don't even take pleasure in this. I don't get it. And everyone's like, uh-huh. And then Jon Snow's, like, walks off, and you're like, well... And then I, we got to see Tormund, like Santa Claus with red hairs. I was like, oh, he made it. He survived. And he's like, you could tell those guys, it's like, and then Jon Snow just, you know, ends it quick. He shoots an arrow at Mance and, you know, puts him out of his pain and misery. And then everyone's like, huh, interesting. Yeah, that was everyone. I think that was everyone. I mean, some people are like, interesting, Jon Snow. But most people are like, huh, interesting, uh, that's what that's what I said, and that puts a cap on a uh, on a wonderful episode. So, you know that 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 was it. Uh, when Loris and Oliver, I looked it up. I thought it was Oliver, but it's at least it's spelled more fancy than Oliver. When they're having their little, um, you know, war, uh, warm up session, uh, they're like uh, checking out Loris's birthmark which i guess looks a bit like the the kingdom of dorn or i think they were saying oh this is like dorn oh what's this over here you know uh the, the dornish tower of babel or whatever the hell i don't i don't know they you know it's fun it's the kind of stuff you do when you're you know with someone naked and they have a birthmark it's you know normal behavior 
But I said, well, you know, I said to myself, I'm like, what the hell is a birthmark? You know, it was seriously like, because well, you, you got the red birthmark, then you got like moles, and then you got beauty marks, you got freckles. Oh, boy, I got a hell of a lot of freckles. And so I said, what the heck? And I said, oh, yeah, I never thought about that red birthmark thing because I I think I might have a teeny tiny one somewhere. But I was like, what the heck? So, of course, I looked up birthmark. I started on Wikipedia here. A birthmark is a benign irregularity on the skin, which is present at birth or appears shortly after birth, usually in the first month. They can occur anywhere on the skin. Birthmarks are caused by overgrowth of blood vessels, melanocytes, smooth muscle, fat, fibroblasts, or keratinocytes. Uh, dermatologists divide birthmarks into two types, pigmented birthmarks caused by excess skin pigment. Those are moles, cafe lay spots, <laughs> excuse you. And then something even more, you go from cafe au lait spots, who the hell, what scientist is behind that? It can't be. And then Mongolian spots. Oh, this is definitely Wikipedia. Uh, vascular birthmarks. Also, these are the red birthmarks are caused by increased blood vessels and include macular stains or salmon patches. Hemangioma. Hem, hemangiomas. Imaginomas or something, and port wine stains. Man, it's a, you know, the pe people that name stars don't have these problems. Or, uh, I don't know. How, how long has it been called a port wine stain? Oh, honey, is that a cafe au lait spot or a port, port wine stain on our baby's nose? Uh, I think that's a Mongolian spot, dear. Uh, a little over 1 in 10 babies have a vascular birthmark present at age 1. Uh, the exact cause of most birthmarks is unknown, but vascular birthmarks are not hereditary. They are thought to occur as a result of a localized imbalance in factors controlling the development and migration of skin cells. So there's a lot more on Wikipedia if you're interested. But I, I shot over, you know, let's, let's go straight to like, where some doctors might work, and I went over to the Cleveland Clinic's website over to Diseases and Conditions, and this is a birthmark. This is their info about birthmark. I don't see an author here, but this is copyrighted uh, by the Cleveland Clinic Foundation. And let's read a little bit about birthmarks. Birthmarks is, as we said, a skin marking, uh, usually within the first two months of life. Uh, red birthmarks, as we said, are overgrowth of blood vessels. Uh, what are some common types of red birthmarks? There's many kinds. We got macular stains, which are also called salmon patches. And these are the most common type of vascular birthmark. They're faint, mild red and or pink in color, and flat. They're also commonly called angel's kisses. Oh, what's that next year, uh... So that's a little angel kiss, Oliver. Why don't you get down there and check it out? Uh, when they're located in the forehead, eye, lips, or tip of the nose, they can be called stork bites. Stork bites appear on 30 to 50% of newborn babies and usually pers persist. 30 to 50%? Maybe the storks are real. If there's that many kids with stork bites, they can persist into adulthood or, or be covered up by hair as a child ages. 
Angel's kisses most often fade as the infant grows and will go away by age two. Hedge, whatever that is, hemangiomas, hedgeanomas, are divided into two, stri- two types depending on how extensive the development of blood vessels at the site is underneath the skin. You got superficial ones, strawberry, they're named after strawberries and simplex and deep he- he- hedges, which are, um, you know, deeper. Superficial ones tend to be raised and bright red in color because the abnormal blood vessels are very close to the surface of the skin, whereas deep ones are bluish-purple in color. And so he didn't have it. I don't think uh, Loris had that. He either had a macular stain or a port wine stain as a uh, uh, port wine stain. And, and the port wine stain is a flat purple-red birthmark made of dilated blood capillaries that appear at birth. These birthmarks occur most often on the face and might vary in size. Port wine stains are often permanent and might thicken, develop bumps or ridges or darken over time. Rarely are they on the forehead, eyes, or both sides of the face. They can be uh, associated with glaucoma and seizures. Wow. And those children should uh, see a physician. So does he have a macular stain or a port wine stain? Hmm. Probably one of these salmon patches, an angel's kiss, but they don't have a, I wouldn't call it an angel's kiss if you're in Westeros. It would be like a, a what religion do the, uh, what's Loris's last name? Loris and Marjorie Tyrell, are they the old religion or the new? You might call it a tree kiss. That's a maiden's kiss. I'd say it's a maiden's kiss from the maiden, except for Loris. Then that would leave them open for jokes. So we don't want to we call it a crone uh, kiss. Yeah, that's definitely, is you know, being kissed by the crone on your body. Is, you know, that's pretty non-sexual. Uh, what are the symptoms of red birthmarks? Uh, skin markings, clearly. Uh, red rashes or lesions. Itching. Possible bleeding. Yeah, because you're itching. Don't itch your birthmark. Loris doesn't itch his. I'm sure, I bet you Loris, like, he probably takes good care of his, uh, well, I guess probably he says, uh, uh, servant, servant, yeah, come wash my birthmark. Let's say Loris wanted to get rid of these birthmarks. He's a royal, or he's not a royal. He's a, uh, is he a royal, what do you consider him, upper class, lord? Yeah, so let's say Loris, let's say Loris, let's go in for a consultation with the doctor. Uh, what what are some treatments for red birthmarks? Well, how are they diagnosed? You, know, you talk to a healthcare professional, not a blubbering meister like they have in uh, the Red Keep. But he'll diagnose it based on the appearance of the skin. He could run an MRI, ultrasound, CT scan, or biopsies. Probably in Westeros, they'd do le- you know leech check. And then uh, what's the treatment for red birthmarks? They rarely cause problems, sir. So why just cosmetic? And they're temporary. They might go away. But, you you know, you're an adult male, so it's probably not going anywhere. So why don't you use it as a part of your um, coital prep? What do you what do you call that? Uh, whatever you call it. Pre, 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 you know, pre-coital 
birthmark use. So that's a that's that's uh that's a little bit on Loris's birthmark from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, John Snow's in the elevator with the red woman who's wearing a black dress. So I don't know. If, I think she's Melisandre. Is that how Stannis says it? Melisandre. But we call her red woman or the demon woman if we're, you know, when me and the Onion Knight are hanging out alone, making fun of her and secretly lusting after her. But when they're in the elevator, she says, you know, hey, Jon Snow, you, you know, he says, hey, are you cold? She says, hell no. Uh, and she says, in fact, did you want to stick your hand down my shirt or my pants to feel how warm you're at? Or I guess she has a dress on. And Jon Snow says, uh, you know, my dear, I'm just going to give you a Jon Snow uncomfortable face because, uh, you know, I'm John, you know, I don't need, uh, you know, I, I have no need for your uh, fake, you know, attempted seduction. And if you, you know, I'll take your word for it. And, but it made me think, I'm like, you know, I always say I'm hot-blooded because I don't get, I'm pretty hot-blooded. I don't get cold. I'd be like the red woman. I don't need to put a freaking jacket on and a, a ice cold. Well, if I was at the, if I was up there, I probably would want a jacket. I don't know. Depend on how bad those, uh, those freaking whatever the hell they wear, buffalo eyes or whatever. They probably stink. So I probably just stay cold if I was cold. But I think I have a pretty high core temperature, so I'm always like hot blooded. Check it and see. You know, I got a fever of 103. Then I was like, is that real? Is it just in our... And then you see a lot of people, uh, they they always got sweaters on. Oh, they're, I'm always cold. I'm like, it's not cold. Well, I'm cold. And I say, okay, well, I'm going to respect, you know, that you said you're cold. I don't buy it. Uh, uh, but, you know, if you say you're cold. So I looked up a couple articles to, you know, look, look into this. The first one is at the uh, New York Times, so... It's uh, called Cold Blood, Hot Blood. It's from the Science Q&A, and it's article by C. Clairborn Ray from February 11, 2013. Uh, the question is, does a taking a blood thinner make a person feel colder? Does blood thin when people move to a warm climate, making them feel colder, uh, making them feel colder if they move back north? Changes in perception of uh, heat and cold are highly individual, but the thickness or viscosity of blood has nothing to do with how we experience temperature, according to Holly S. Anderson. Uh, she's from the uh, Perlman Heart Institute. Uh, blood thinner works by slowing or impairing the blood's ability to clot, Dr. Anderson said, and will not make someone feel colder. Being exposed to high altitudes, whereas there, there is less oxygen, can make actually make the blood become a little thicker over time because the bone marrow will produce more red blood cells which carry oxygen, she said. This may help endurance athletes, but it won't make you feel warmer. However, our body's ability to control the temperature or thermoregulate does involve blood circulation. In the cold, the small blood vessels on the surface of our body get smaller to keep warm blood deeper inside. In the heat, they dilate to release heat from the body, if you've been in a warm climate for a long time and return to a cold one, it may take a little longer for your circulation to adjust. Overall, how warm or cold a person feels has more to do with our perception of temperature than with our actual temperature, she said. A 60-degree day in January feels hot, while in August it feels mighty cold.
So that's in the New York Times. Uh, there's this other nice article from news.com.au. So for all our Australian listeners, a little, you know, getting a little Australian news sourcing in. Why are some of us always cold and others are constantly hot? And this is from December 2nd, 2014. And I, I don't see an author for it. It's a strange phenomenon that some of us are freezing while others are boiling hot. You can be shivering in five layers at the same time your partner is flinging open windows, fanning themselves. It's not just to do with your weight and your size, but also your age, gender, diet, sleep patterns, lifestyle, and even happiness. Humans are warm-blooded, and our body temperature averages around 37 degrees Celsius. Warm blood, it means we can regulate our internal body temperature independent of environment, while cold-blooded animals are subject to the temperature of their surroundings. While all humans are homothermic, homothermic, our body temperatures can vary widely. As a, They have a video, which I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, temperature regulation starts in the brain and is controlled by hormones, which take into account the body's core temperature and the temperature of the outer skin. The hormone estrogen, O, it's estrogen with an O, oestrogen, is a part of the regulation process according to the Lancet. Women are usually colder than men and older people colder than younger. Yeah, older people are the coldest, man. Crone. Hey, Crone, are you cold? Are you listening to the podcast right now, Crone? Are you bundled up in a little uh, Afghan? I mean, talk about an invention that doesn't really keep you warm. I don't know how... how uh, Crone, do you make Afghans? Uh, women are usually colder than men. Oh, wait, we already did. No, way. People. Outer skin. I lost my place. Oh, people are, who are more active tend to have warmer hands and feet than overall than people who don't. Men tend to have more muscle mass and women more fat. Whoa, whoa, not my words. Uh, working of muscle generates heat while fat cells store it. So muscle generates heat, fat, fat, fat cells store heat. Researchers at the University of Utah found that men's hands were 32.3 Celsius on average, while women's were 30.7 Celsius. Uh, women's bodies tend to have to work harder at keeping their core body temperature up, leaving fewer energy resources to warm the extremities. The time of month can come into play, too. The menstrual cycle can alter a woman's body temperature by several degrees. Uh, larger people tend to feel warmer because their core organs are warm, although their extremities are actually colder. Uh, people with lower BMIs tend to feel colder because the blood pumped through the extremities needs to be warmed up significantly when it gets back. We regulate our internal temperature through thermoregulator cells in our skins in our skin, which detect cold and constrict our capillaries and blood vessels in a process called vasoconstriction, slowing the speed of our blood flow. People who smoke have more vasoconstriction, cooling the extremities, while active people have warmer hands and feet. And it's not just about being physically hot, it's also a perception of temperature. If you're surrounded by people you, you're comfortable with, you'll feel warmer. 
A Canadian study found that people who are lonely or isolated are more aware of cold body temperature while socially connected people tend to just another. So popular people are warmer too. That's bullshit. But that's a little bit about body temperature. And it doesn't say this in the article, but if you worship an evil, powerful God, it tends to be good for the body temperature. You know, if you, I guess maybe the process of like selling your soul to an evil God of light, possible evil God, or gray area God, we're not 100%. Like maybe the process of that God capturing your soul, there's an off-putting of heat involved in that. So that's a little bit about uh, body temperature and hot and cold. You're hot and you're cold. You're yesterday's mold. You're in and you're out. You're up and you're down. You're hot and you're cold. You're to your God you sold your soul. You're on an elevator with Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Uh, how's it go? You really want to go? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but that's hot and cold. So when they're talking about the, when Khaleesi and Dario Naharis 2.0, so, so Khaleesi's worried. She's like, hey, I don't even know where Drogon is, man. He could be out across the sea. I was like, huh. Hey, can you imagine if Khaleesi has to put, you know, up, uh, lost signs, you know, lost dragon, may, may burn, you know, d d don't approach. He could burn you, you know. Likes to burn lambs and and humans the size of lambs. Uh, beware, you know, but I need him back to conquer the seven kingdoms, so please return him to Khaleesi. A.K.A. Misa, A.K.A. Breaker of Chains, A.K.A. the woman with the, you know, unyielding will or, you know, you know, uh, so then I was like, huh, I wonder if there's a more effective way to write a lost pet poster. And it turns out there is, a, you know, a lot of, and this one's from the L.A. Times, L.A. Times blog. And it's written by uh, Craig Nakano, N-A-K-A-N-O. It's from uh, June 7th, 8.43 a.m. Uh, Craig returned home Saturday to discoveries both his dogs were gone and one dog's collar was off. Uh, Wally returned home on his own, but Daisy was missing, and without identification, Craig had only two ways of finding her. Uh, someone would have to catch her and take her to an animal shelter where they would scan for the microchip. Or someone would have to see her on a lost dog poster. Picture here is really cute. Uh, it's good I didn't know the odds, says Craig, because according to the National Council on Pet Population Study and Policy, uh, whose members include the Humane Society and a bunch of other ones, less than 2% of cats and 20% of dogs are returned to their owners. Wow. And that's only if the pet has a tag, microchip, or both. But Craig said poured his energy into the poster making, uh, but making an effective lost pet flyer proved to be an art unto itself. In fact, he learned the hard way. Only after dozens of flyers did he realize all the mistakes he had made in the picture above. Here are five things Craig says he would have done differently. Uh, photo selection. Craig said he thought he was smart by making a big picture of Daisy. Uh, taking up half of the 8 by 11 paper, but as he taped up the flyer, 
along other lost dog posters, he saw a more effective sign. It used a large photo, but one that only showed the dog's face, not the whole body. As he drove from intersection to intersection, he saw that Daisy's photo was hard to make out, but the close-up of the dog's face got his attention and even prompted passers-by to stop and read the signs. Uh, even though his signs were color, the black and white fly, uh, flyers with the face were uh, better, graphic and easy to see from afar and emotionally compelling. If Daisy had had a distinctive body markings or memorable shape, it might have been good to go with the full-size photo, but she didn't. And he says he should emphasize her face and let the words describe how big she was. Uh, text selection. The words on the poster were brief, as they should be, but Craig had two uh, key errors. One, he used a serif font, times Roman, when a sans serif font. Is that how you say it? Serif? Uh, such as Ariel or Helvetica, uh, would have allowed for bolder letters and that were easier to read. Uh, He also made the largest words on his flyer, Lost Dog, even though everyone already knows they're for a lost pet, uh, even if the text was in another language. A more effective strategy would have been to put key descriptions in the biggest type. Black lab, uh, terrier, puppy, three-legged cat. Uh, the keywords might resonate immediately with passerby. Uh, sign locations. As uh, Craig madly taped flyers to streetlights and as uh, Craig madly taped flyers to streetlights and utility poles, he worried that they'd be pulled off in a day or two by city workers. Craig says if he was going to do it again, he made larger signs on poster board, not paper, and asked homeowners if he could put them in their yards near a sidewalk or an intersection. Uh, others who lost pets later recommended using fluorescent poster board as the signs easier to see or, you know, eye-catching. Number of copies. Uh, Craig actually underestimated the number of flyers to make how he just guessed at how many he would put up on streetlights, but he didn't consider how many he could hand out as he searched for Daisy on foot. He saw a lot of people he could have handed flyers to. He said he printed 75, he should have made 150 or 200. In Khaleesi's case, she'd probably need, she could have other dragons drop flyers. Maybe. Uh, preparedness. As soon as I found the collar in the yard, Time felt unbelievably crucial with every passing minute. I imagined Daisy wandering further from home and further from when I would post flyers. Uh, superstitious pet owners might think, but now maybe he should, uh, you know, have a do- missing dog, like an earthquake, like a missing dog kit in advance. Have a flyer now and then update it once a year. Uh, he said he didn't even have a picture, so he had to get a hold of his partner and then trying to find something, then writing the flyer. So he spent like a bunch of hours he came in looking for his dog. Uh, six, hope don't lose it. Because he was looking for a dog that had no ID uh, and, and didn't usually come by its name and no great sense of direction or intelligence, he says he loves her, but let's be honest. He was like fairly certain he wouldn't see Daisy again. As uh, night fell on the day of her disappearance, a dog walker in the neighborhood told me to keep my chin up.
Uh, she had lost her Springer Spaniel. Two months later, it was found at a park miles away. Uh, indeed, uh, there's an animal finder advice sheet that says a lost pet can wander the streets for weeks and months. And people who find lost pets sometimes keep them for weeks before taking them to a shelter. But Craig says he didn't do too. He was happy to report a dog lover. Uh, corralled Daisy and drove her to the shelter where they scanned the microchip and called to say my girl is waiting to be bailed out. I don't know anything about the Good Samaritan other than she told a shelter employee that Daisy seemed like a nice dog. Daisy has been reunited with Wally. The fence has been mended and now Craig has lost dog flyer on a flash drive ready to go. Garden stakes in the garage and a roll of tape in the den just in case. Uh, so that would be one way to deal with it. Another way would be, you know, Sir Jorah, if you're listening, maybe you could track that dragon down and get Khaleesi back that way. Or maybe the dragon, like, had a thing for Jorah and his, you know, Drogon's like, where's Jorah? You know, he's like, where's Jorah? You know, he, he reconsidered his double cross of the Khaleesi when he fell in love with her. So uh, I like him. I liked that guy. In his uh, weathered baseball glove-like look. So that's a little lost pet stuff. Ba- Baelish and Sansa are in a little bit like a wagon type thing. And, and she's like, where are we going? He says, uh, we're headed west, my dear. And immediately I thought of uh, the Oregon Trail. I said, what is this? A, what are they in a wagon train here? Is this like the Oregon Trail? And anytime I didn't think about the historical Oregon Trail... I think that's like one of the, you can see the uh, ruts from space, I think, possibly. I mean, it's a great wall. But what I did think about was the uh, Oregon Trail video game. So at some, maybe some point we'll cover the actual Oregon Trail. Uh, but the Oregon uh, Trail video game, like, there's two things that came up. One is this article in Time, uh, real quick, and it says uh, you can play uh, uh, Oregon Trail online for free. Uh, hitch up your oxen, they say, and find some water barrels and get ready for the Oregon Trail because you can play it online for free at the Internet Archive, which is uh, best known as running the world's wide web's time capsule, the Wayback Machine. It put the game that traumatized countless children of the 80s and 90s online. Uh, this means future generations can feel the oppressive horror as attempting to fight their way across the Oregon Trail on a steady dial of squirrel meat with only an axe, some rope, and frequent bouts of dysentery, uh, pausing in their manifest destiny only long enough to etch Grandma's epitaph on a makeshift tombstone on the side of the trail. Fun, right? Uh, of course, the Oregon Trail isn't the only game. There's Duke Nukem, Street Fighter, Burger Blaster, Indiana Jones, Lion King, Chuck Yeager, and more than 2,000 MS-DOS-based games. Uh, the online arcade is a software crate digger's dream. Tens of thousands of playable titles from multiple computer platforms, uh, allowing instant, instant access to dec- decades of computer history right in your browser. And they definitely want people to play the games uh, and offer feedback. Uh, the site's curator, Jason Scott, wants people to reach out and report bugs as they play. Uh, some of the games uh, will still crash, and some of them might be weird to play in a browser window. 
and you can't save things for later. So that's going to limit things. But on the whole, it'll be like a good old MS-DOS program. So start playing and prepare for dysentery. What about the game Oregon Trail? Uh, let's go over Wikipedia. Oregon Trail was a computer game originally uh, was originally developed in 71 and then produced by the MECC in 74. Uh, the game was to teach uh, school children about the realities of 19th century pioneer life on the Oregon Trail. Uh, the player assumes the role of a wagon leader, uh, guiding settlers from Independence, Missouri, to the Willamette Valley on the Oregon Trail via a covered wagon in 1848. Uh, that game was the first game in the Oregon Trail series of games and has since been released in many editions by various developers and publishers who have acquired the rights to it. Uh, the Oregon Trail was extremely successful, selling over 65 million copies after 10 iterations over 40 years. Uh, in 71, Don Rotsich, a uh, senior at uh, Carlin College in Minnesota, taught an 8th grade history class. Uh, he used the HP Timeshare Basic uh, to write a computer program to help teach the subject. He recruited two friends, uh, Phil Dillenberger and Bill Heinemann, to help. Uh, the Oregon Trail debuted to his class on December 3rd, and despite bugs, the game was immediately popular, and then it became available to others on the Minneapolis Public Schools timesharing service. When the semester ended, he deleted the program though he did print out a copy of the source code. In 74, the uh, Minnesota Educational Computing Consortium uh, hired him to hired uh, Jim to uh, rebuild the game, adding in events and consequential choices, for, uh, choices based on the actual historical probabilities for what happened to travelers on the trail at each location in the game. He based much of the options in the game on the historical narratives of the people that, uh, uh, on the historical narratives of people on the trail that he had read. Uh, he uploaded a copy into the organization's timesharing network, where it could be accessed by schools across Minnesota. Uh, the game became one of the most popular programs with thousands of players monthly. Uh, then published a source code written at Basic 3.1. Uh, in the CDC Cyber 70, 73 through 26 and Creative Computing's May through June 70, 1978 issue. Uh, that year, schools started adopting the Apple II. Uh, John Cook adapted the game for the Apple II. Then uh, Oregon Trail II came out in 78 by J.P. O'Malley. Then it became out again in 1980. Then it was called Oregon and had minimal graphics. It proved so popular that it was released in uh, an improved game in 1985. Uh, by 1995, it uh, compromised one-third of the MECC's $30 million in annual revenue. An updated version, uh, Oregon Trail Deluxe, was released for DOS and Macintosh in 92, as well as Windows in 93, followed by uh, Oregon Tra Trail 2. Uh, Revenge of the Ruts in 1995, and Oregon Trail, 3rd edition in 97, uh, Pioneers Strike Back.
Uh, as of 2011, more than 65 million copies have been sold. And, you know, there's a lot more interesting stuff. A lot of us will remember playing a version of the Oregon Trail or waiting patiently for our turn to play the Oregon Trail and saying, please, could I have my turn? And then you finally get your turn, and you're like, oh, my goodness, finally. I'm playing the Oregon Trail. My dreams have come true, and you're so immersed in the game, you miss your bus. And then you go, oh, God, did they call City Bus 4? Because that's my bus, City Bus 4. And then someone says, of course, they they called it a while. And you say, I never missed my bus before. What do I do? And I say, well, you call somebody for a ride. And I say, oh, I don't know uh you know, I, I got a bunch of siblings. No one's gonna pay. Why didn't no? Why didn't anyone tell me I'm missing my bus? I thought I had friends, and then I say, "What well, can I? Can I play the Oregon Trail while I cry because I don't have a ride now?" And then uh, you know, you live the right. You know, it takes you years to uh, forgive the Apple computer that caused you that misery. So that's a little bit about the uh, Oregon Trail computer games. It made me bailish and sans. It made me think of that. Okay. One thing that came up in this episode is a great Grey Worm Scare 2015. And the guy that I was confused that I thought was Grey Worm, I was like, um, I was like, oh, man, like, uh, well, who is this guy? And then he lies down with the, uh, the, the woman there. And he's like, oh, no, you know, you don't have to be bottomless or whatever. And, uh. They get in. I'm like, well, you know, it's always been a question for most people, or at least for me, you know, back when the Khaleesi a couple of seasons ago said, well, do they cut off the pillar and the stones or just the the stones? Like, do they have the pillar? And, and I don't think I ever got that question answered. But this guy, he wasn't in for the pillar of the stones. He was. She, he lies down. She starts stroking his hair and she kind of is humming these lullabies. So I was like, OK, let me look up lullabies. So uh, you could do endless amounts of research on lullabies, but I found this one over at PBS NewsHour. That's at pbs.org. Why are so many lullabies also murder ballads? Uh, this article is by uh, Jenny Mardair. She's writing about murder. Her last name is Martyr, M-A-R-D-E-R, August 13th, 2014. And uh, I'm just going to try to quote and paraphrase from it. It starts out, uh, in the 1920s, poet Fred, Frederico Garcia Lorca heard a woman in Granada sing a lullaby to her child and was struck by the acute sadness of the song. In a lecture de- delivered in Madrid in 1928, he observed the country's saddest melodies and most melancholy texts are contained in these so-called cradle songs. Spain possesses joyous songs, jokes, jests. Why, then, has Spain reserved the most potent songs of blood to lull its children to sleep, those least suited to the delicate sensibilities? Lorca's lecture on lullabies focused specifically on lullabies in Spain, a country, in his words, of dead dead stones, soulful landscapes, and dashing its head against the walls. But sad lullabies are hardly unique to that country. Uh, judging by lyrics alone, the lion's share of lullabies are not as sweet and soothing. They're dark, creepy, creepy and macabre. Is it macabre? Uh, there's an Italian lullaby about a wolf eating a lamb, the skins and the whole, you know, oh boy, that's not exactly sleep-inducing. There's an Andalusian lullaby about a rider who led its horse to water but wouldn't let him drink. A Turkish lullaby about a mo- mother mourning her baby. 
after ooh, some ego, uh, uh, this in the show notes, after an eagle encounter, karmic punishment for the father who fails to fulfill the vow of sacrificing three camels. In America, there's hush little baby with broken mirrors, fallen horses, and mockingbirds that won't sing. Uh, rockabye baby that ends with a you know an uncertain prognosis, death or injury after a cradle containing a baby plummets from a treetop. And of course, you are my sunshine, the saddest song ever. I don't even know how you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, just how I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. I guess I don't know. I don't know how it ends, but probably badly. Uh, so why are so many lullabies about uh, death, despair, and loss? And why? how does it relate to their primary function to lull the child to sleep? And the third question, does it matter? Uh, music is medicine. As a lullaby or a cradle song is defined by Merriam-Webster as just that, a song to quiet children or lull them to sleep. Any song concerned as a lullaby says ethnomusicologist. Ethnomusicologist. That's, that's a mouthful. Uh, Andrew Pettit provided slow and rhythmic kind of like this podcast. There are songs that are composed specifically as lullabies. These are functional lullabies, songs that are altered to serve this purpose. You can take any song, slow it down, and sing it to your kid to help them sleep. Really, says Pettit, who uh, has done research on lullabies from India. When his own daughter was an infant, for example, he sang the cowboy ballad, I Ride an Old Paint, made famous by Guthrie and Seeger. Research has shown that lullabies, when used right, can soothe and possibly even help to heal an infant. Oh, boy. Uh, A journal in the uh, American Pediatrics 2013 found that live lullabies slowed infant heart rate, improved suckling behavior, sucking behavior, that is critical for feeding, increased periods of quiet alertness, and help babies sleep. Research showed that... uh, Researchers followed 272 premature infants in 11 hospitals and found that music by a certified music therapist offered stress relief for the parents, too. The study concluded that lullabies that were live, though sung live, enhanced bonding and decreased the stress that uh, parents associate with premature infant care. Lullabies have also been studied as a form of pain relief, Dr. Mark Tramo, T-R-A-M-O, a UCLA neurologist and lecturer performed a pilot study also on preterm babies in the neonatal unit. He played lullabies to infants recovering from a painful heel stick procedure used to draw blood. Ooh, that's not good. His research suggested that music helped to slow the baby's heart rates and thus reduce stress, but the study sample was too small to be definitive. He hopes to replicate that study in a larger population and learn more about the power of this effect. From a basic science standpoint, we want to know how music affects heart rate. From a clinical standpoint, we want to know if music can prevent heart rate from going into the danger zone. As early as the 21st week of pregnancy, babies can hear a range of frequencies that include a human voice, classical instruments. This according to Sally Goddard Blythe. Uh, from the Institute for Neurophysical, whoa, this is another one, 
Institute for Neurophysiological Psychology and an expert in child development. Mother's voice is particularly powerful because it resonates internally and externally, her body acting as a sounding board. Maybe what do you guys think if Khaleesi, should Khaleesi do some lullabies for the dragons? Wouldn't that um, rockabye dragon? Um, 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 please don't burn me. I'm your dragon mom. Uh, before and after birth, a mother's voice provides a connection between respiration, sound, and movement, an acoustic link from life and communication before birth to the brave new world after birth. To the brave new world. It depends on how you say that. Uh, examining the dark lullaby. It, uh, uh, examining the dark lullaby. It's that voice and rhythm, rhythm and melody of the music that are the youngest babies respond to, uh, not the content of the song. How, how do we know that, though? Like, you know, did you guys ever see a movie like 7-Up, 14-Up, 21-Up? Who knows what the hell happened to these babies? If you're hearing, like, terrifying lullabies, maybe this is what all our uh, neuroses come from. Like, oh, it's soothing. Uh, that talk about terrible things isn't going to bother them at all. Those kids, it's it's soothing them. It's their mother's voice talking about terrible things. In this case, then, are the words more for the parent? Than the child? Is a mother singing as much to herself as the baby? Lyrics to lullabies, Pettit said, can be interpreted as a reflection of the caregiver's emotion. People have said lullabies are space to sing the unsung. Huh, I don't know if I understand that. People have said that lullabies are the space to sing the unsung, a place to say the unsayable. You're listen. If you need to say something that's unsayable, don't don't do it with your baby. Don't 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 mask terror in a pleasantly boring dull story or song. You know, be honest about it. Um, driving this may be the closeness between caregiver and child. There's a physical bond between the mother and the child in the first year of life in which mothers feel they can sing to their child about their own fears and anxieties, but in the safety and comfort of physical togetherness. In particular, lullabies embody a mother's fear of loss, says uh, Joanne L-O-E-W-Y. Maybe you guys could help me with pronunciation. I wish you guys could talk to me. That's not the people that are on Periscope, so I could know how to say that. L O W. L-O-E-W-Y, Joanne Lowley. Uh, she had a study in April 23 in pediatrics from the uh, Louis Armstrong Center for Music and Medicine at uh, Mount Sinai Beth Israel Hospital in New York. This makes sense as the first infant toddler infant. This makes sense as the first infant toddler years of life are fragile ones. Rockabye baby, for example, represents a common fear of crib. Crib passing. Yeah, this is uplifting stuff here. So there's a little bit about lullabies. I'll, I'll have this in the show notes. It's not exactly, it's interesting, interesting stuff, especially when thinking about the podcast. So it's something to think about. Oh, wait, here's something interesting. I'm just para-reading. 
or whatever the hell you call it. In ancient Babylon, lullabies were used as magical charms meant to protect sleeping babies. But darkness pervaded across cultures and centuries with lullabies expressing fears directly or metaphorically about absent fathers, injured, sick, or lost children, domestic problems, and unhappy lives. The gender divide was common in Indian folk lullabies, which celebrated boys. So maybe lullabies are actually, reading this, is like they could be the source of all our societal ills. So that's a little bit about lullabies. But if you are a, um, you know, if you're a, a man, you know, that was taken as a child, you had your, uh, either, either your pillar and your stones or just your stones taken, forced into being a soldier, you know, you deserve a little comfort. And, of course, a poor white, what was his name, white rat? Uh, he got taken out during, at least he was, you know, at least he was happy. So that's a little bit about lullabies. Hello, good evening. This is uh, Tommen, Prince Tommen, Lord Tommen. Some could say King Tommen. What you could just say, uh, is, just say your friend Tommen. Your teller of tales, Tommen, and you know mostly you say, wait a second, is this the same? You might be, you maybe be sitting with anticipation, waiting to say, best friend of one Sir Pounce, and then you might be wondering in your head, oh, well, if Sir Pounce said, what is Sir Pounce doing? Is Sir Pounce thinking what I'm thinking? My best friend is Tom, and I'm Sir Pounce, and my best friend is Tom, and Tommen's best friend is I. Sir Pounce, and yes, Sir Pounce is in my lap. And yes, right, Sir Pounce? Restroom. Red, restroom? What? what? Restroom. Uh, I, I've, I've learned that term, restroom. Uh, the podman, he said, you cannot go into the restroom alone, Tom. And I said, what is a restroom? Uh, oh, these tiles are so cool all against my face. Oh, so lovely. And the podman said, I think that was in a movie. Don't do that. Uh, it was probably copyrighted. Even though it's funny seeing your face on the bathroom floor, Tom. And I, he, I said, a bath? Where, where is it? You're drawing me a bath here in a public area. I don't you know. Those commoners are so... Podman's making a sing, sing, symbol to me. Well, yeah, I said, no, you do not draw me a... And he said, no, 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 this is a, uh, a place to go, like a chamber room. And then I said, oh, what is uh, these? And then he said, ah, and I said, ah. And, uh, and then I said, I cannot go. You're, you're going to stand here. And he said, Sir Marin Senior, go to the bathroom a thousand times. I said, shh, you cannot say those names, Podman. This is a fictional tale of just a boy and a cat, Tom and, and Sir, uh, Sir Pounce. A cat, Sapounce, one word, S-E-R-P-O-U-N-C-E. <laughs> yes, I am, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had the highest of educations, and I like this pod man who cannot spell Sapounce. It's one word, Sapounce. But I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that you are in for a rare treat, you are, because I have not only learned what a restroom is, but I've also learned what a teaser trailer is. And I have seen a teaser trailer. And then I have seen many moves, movies, movies. And Sir Pounce has seen them with me in my lap. And we have seen, uh, those were show, shows. 
saw movies and shows about stars, about wars and stars and treks and stars, and at some point I even forgot about Capolina because I, I said to the Padman, I said, this hand has been held by a girl named Mujri. And then he said, okay, well, let's watch this teaser trailer. It just came out, sit down. And after that, I did not sleep until later when Podman uh, said, you could sleep, but, you know, I return you to where you belong, you know, before the Armarden knows I'm gone. But I saw we watched so many movies. But, but as, your, as your official teller of tales, so Tom, and I should inform you that Sir Pounce and I, and actually the Podman in a lesser, much lesser role, have been adventuring. Not just, we weren't watching movies. We were on an adventure. So many adventures. Okay, Padman, come over here. No, you must participate, Padman's going to say. So I'd like to present our next adventure of uh, Tom and Sapounce. So Padman's going to say something. We're here to present with more... Say it with more gusto. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for tuning in to WSWMP Radio for another adventure of Dominant Bounce in Space. Dominant Bounce in Space. Okay, so I go right into the story then. Yeah, yeah, go. Okay. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Ooh, pressure. Uh, ooh, um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, Harpy One, Harpy One to Pyramid Base, Harpy One to Pyramid Base, come in. Uh, this, this is Tommen doing a uh, Podman's moves. Uh, go ahead, uh, 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 Harpy One. Harpy One, this is uh, Commander uh, Commander Tommen, uh, Pyramid Base. This is uh, Tom Tommen calling from Harpy One. We are uh, circling the planet Bull 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 Cut, and we are uh, wondering why we are not hearing anything on the earphones. We we have them at full full electricity. And, uh, hold, hold on, Sir Pounce is saying something. Rafe, Rafe, okay, Rafe, the Range Rover, Range Rose, the Range Rove is at 44%, uh, Pyramid Base, what should we do? Pyramid Base, can you, Sir Pounce, uh, Pyramid Base is not, oh dear, well, Sir Pounce, it looks like we've lost contact with Pyramid Base, here we are on Harpy One. Out in the galaxy, far beyond the stars, in the place where tears go to hide, and the outer reaches of the outer reaches of the place, uh, right on the edge of uh, that. What, what was that? Uh, what, what's that? Supposed something coming in on the broadcast? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hello, Tommen. Is this uh, the Commander Tommen coming call, calling in? Uh, yes, this is uh, Hoppy One, Sir Tommen and Pounce. Uh, uh, command, Commander Tommen, correct. And 
Oh, I forgot. Sometimes, uh, yes, yes, Commander Tommen. Uh, yes, I'm here. Ah, this is the uh, Queen of Confusion calling in. Ah, the Queen of Confusion, eh? Oh, you're going to try to confuse me? Oh, that would not be necessary, Tommen. For I have captured Princess Marcella, and I am taking her far, far away from you forever. Oh, 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 dear, that, so, so, she is my source of comfort. She, she was safe on Pyramid Base forever. The Podman said he would protect her from uh, Mother and any, any, and Dorn, Dornish, yeah. Uh, what, what do you mean you have my sister? I am taking her far away from you, Tom, and your comfort will be gone. And soon you will become so confused your cat will leave you. Oh, dear, dear, suppose you hear an un, un, unhappy one. Okay, well, well you, you cannot escape. I do not detect any. Suppose run a scan of the area with the uh, scanning beams. Oh, no, what is that supposed we're surrounded in double confusion, rays? Well, uh, I, 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 I guess you have us, uh, queen, I guess you have us, queen of confusion. You're just going to take my sister and go away forever and not tell me where you're going? That is correct, Tommen. So you, you're going to take her and not tell me both things. That, that is, ha-ha, <laughs> goodbye forever, Prince Tommen. I am, you know, okay, well, suppose, punch in, hold breath, 100%, blue, level blue, level blue. Oh, no, you cannot do that. Uh, Queen of Confusion, I've uh, launched the uh, holding breath weapon. The uh, ship is turning blue and blinding you, and soon I will uh, release a squealing, squealing grunt. Uh, or we could uh, alternatively, or, or alternatively, you could turn my Princess Marcella over to me. Or I could strike you with the iron glare of doom. Fire full force. Oh no. Suppose are we hit. Oh no. What, what, what does that mean? Oh dear, I'm getting uh, alert. Harpy engines are down. We're heading into. Uh, we're losing control. We've been captured by the gravitas of that moon, and we're being sucked towards it at full strength. Goodbye, Prince Tom, and you'll never see your sister again. Oh, oh yes, I will, Queen of Confusion, and I will find you and make you understand what it feels like to be a boy so confused. Bye, Queen. That you you find another queen that confuses and delights you, and I will find the hand-holding weapon that we will crush your heart with. Oh, well, that's quite the promise, Sir Tom. A good day. <laughs> okay, so pals, give me a status update. Mayday, what is that? Okay, uh, pyramid base, pyramid base, sending out a mayday. Mayday, day may, mayday. We're going down to a moon made of cheese. You see, he says green cheese, possibly blue cheese. Sir Pounce says he hates those kinds of cheeses. Pyramid Base, please tell me, Podman, that you're still there. Uh, yeah, Tom, and this is uh, Podman calling. Uh, your sister's gone. She was captured by the queen. queen uh, 
Yes, bad man, I know you blew it. You let the queen of confusion take my sister, but we're crashing on a moon made of cheese. I prepare for for impact to surpounce. My friend, I'm buckling my seatbelt and making sure it is where the podman said when we got into the car. I'm I'm preparing for impact. Oh, time is passing. This is time in and bounce in space. Diamond and mountain space. Oh, so there's a bounce at my head. I cannot. Oh, what is that spell, Spounce? Uh, Spounce, are you okay? Rash rain with cheese. Oh, it's the cheese. It's it's harpy. Damage report, Spounce. Damage report. Wait, Sam Wait, Sam What's that? Oh dear, we've we've lost a we've lost a lion claw. Suppose how long will it take to repair? Phil, go. That's uh, two. Okay, get to work. We should have. I guess when I told the pod man we would only adventure alone, unlike those. I said a bit like the Wookiee and the uh, that man. He said, well, he said, I rather like that Greedo. He makes me laugh. The man that uh, took out Greedo, uh, I, I said, well, he said, but he, I said, I guess if we could adventure like them alone. Maybe we should have been more like the Treks because we could have used more people uh, to fix things. Okay, let me see if I can raise Pyramid one, pyramid Base. Pyramid Base, this is Harpy One calling. Go ahead, Tommen, go ahead. Uh, we're on a moon. We're on a moon of cheese. Uh, we've lost a lion claw. So Pounce is going to try to put it back in, and uh, that's that's all I can tell you for right now. Uh, do, do you read? Yes, Simon. We already said we could read you. Okay. Well. Uh, oh dear, sir. There's a uh, there's something coming towards the uh, the bow. Uh, the, the, the the harpy one. Some sort of creature. Uh, this pyramid base. What is it, Tommy? Can you tell me what it is? It's a giant creature. Harpy one to pyramid base. It's a giant creature coming at us. It pounces to you. Can you raise the shields? No, no. We cannot raise the shields. We're down a lion claw. We've emptied all of our whole breath holding rays. Screaming, screaming. What are those called? Plasma screams out. Uh, status. We're in trouble. Pyramid base. What should we do? Uh, I don't. I don't know, Tommy. Can you tell me what's coming towards it? What, what can you? Is it a sandworm, or a, a giant Greedo, uh, or something else? No, it's neither a sandworm nor a giant Greedo. It seems to be. Uh, I can't. Oh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, please wait and come back next week for. Okay, Tommy, quick, come over. Tommy and Pounce in space. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Padre, so it makes me so happy hearing you say that. Almost as happy as holding hands. Or the nights when I dream of Kelpelina and I be... Okay, Tom, please don't say any more. Well, I was going to tell you about it in my... No, Tom, don't tell me anything about your dream. You said it is a night night discharge. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, Tom, please... Uh, so how do you think the story went? Did you enjoy the tale? Did you like what I said? 
I did you a pot man for when you were in the bathroom or something. I said, oh, it was a pyramid base, pyramid base. Uh, how did you think my story was? Was it as exciting as your stories, pot man? Yeah, Tom, and it was pretty much about as exciting as one of my stories. Yeah, it was right up there, right right around as good as mine. Oh, Podman, so I will be one day a Roddenberry Lucas. A, the next Roddenberry Lucas. I can leave my... I say, Mother, I'm leaving forever. I'm the next... Uh, you know, who's the new guy? What's the new... Um, well, Tom, he said it's as good as my stories. And I'm not going to let you start a podcast and bore people to sleep. So uh, why don't we just work one, one, one story at a time. Let's get it, you know, maybe the next one you'll be slight. I don't know how it could be better, uh, honestly. Uh, but maybe, you know, let's watch, we'll maybe watch some more. We haven't watched any... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could get. I don't think we could. Okay, Podman. We. I get it. You're trying to. You are my friend. Oh, again. Can you say nice to night discharge? Nice discharges or night discharges. Emissions. You said right. That's. I get those mixed up. Uh, can you say Tom and bounce in space again, please? No, Tom. But I'm glad you're happy. We got to get you home, because you haven't slept in like three days. And then next week I'll say, Tom and him bounce in space. Oh, okay. Oh, boy, I'm so happy. I don't want to go back. I don't, you have to go back to them for Mother Remember this said about the Martin. Okay, I will soon see you people soon. Me and Ms. Look at how, look at Mr. Bounce is so happy. We, could we get him a, a space suit? Space suit. Okay. It's a time. Let's call it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my best friend Sir Pounce and I, adventurers, you may know us from the Hoppy One, which, by the way, runs on French power of friendship. I forgot to tell that. That was on the notes. I said, I cannot read your writing, Podman. <laughs> what a day. I am now a real, genuine storyteller. Sir Pounce, my best friend, Part of the story, the inspiration for the story. And the reason I tell stories, because the only joy that lives in my heart is the joy of friendship uh, that I have with my best friend, Sir Pounce, and I am his best friend. I am Tommen. Thank you, and good night. Uh, uh, time for my prayers. Uh, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller. Grinder of grains, Miller of stone, stone ground, 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 uh, runner of the stone of the pusher of the stone of the grinding, uh, Smith, pound, you know, banging about. Just read the Smithy part in uh, Moby Dick. Smith, I don't. Uh, was it the carpenter? Carpenter was a buffoon, right? Smith wasn't wasn't an idiot. I, I can't remember now. So I don't, actually, I don't think they. I think they're making fun of carpenters. I don't pray to a carpenter. Oh, 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 wait a second. I, how's the raise? But anyway, uh, oh, a loaded situation. Just uh, uh, Barky, can you can you rescue me from this uh, morass, prayer morass I just fell into? Barky, uh, provider of shade, provider of leaves, leaves to jump into. 
and uh, Jester, um, uh, the, the giggliness of the gods. Hey, guys, this is season five. It just started up, you know, and I was like, okay, what am I going to... You know, I, I thanked you, but how can I thank you guys enough for making sure uh, that, you know, you're keeping one that whole Grey Worm thing. Well, that had me in a tizzy. I was like, huh. Uh, how do you spell Benioff? I before E. Ben, ben, Benioff. Uh, who should I, who should I cast him? Well, maybe I should send to the casting person. Uh, maybe I should just go in. Why the hell did you get rid of it? And then it'd be like, but then it's like, okay, well, maybe you should do your research. Oh, wait, it's not. Grey Worm's still on the show. But I was thinking to you, I was like, okay, well, you know, season, usually, I, you know, season. What happens with us guys is I start praying to you in, in a season and then somehow magically, uh, you know, organically, I get into some sort of trouble. And then I pray to you guys for guidance. You know, I had the uh, battle with Cat Stevens and Aristotle. And then the thing with the sheep and the, the town full of the old folks. I can't even remember. What was that called? Something City. Uh, was he called Shut-In City? Was that what I was calling it? And then there was the sheep. That might have been the same season. I don't know, gods. But I was like, uh, but then I was like, I was thinking, you know, about uh, technology, right? I've been telling you guys, because we're in this world now, I'm praying to you straight from the uh, 94501. Uh, and I said, well, let's see, praying these gods about some apps. And Eli... Eli over there, he's, he's, he runs uh, t- Touch Arcade. Well, then, you know, it's like not a time to play games with you guys, you know. I mean, I don't want to just, sh- what, c- could you imagine if I got you hooked on, like, some game, one of you, and it's like, well, what the hell happened to all the trees in the world? Uh, well, this buffoon, he taught Barky how to play, uh, you know, you know, endless runners, and he's been endlessly running and he he also stole the phone, son to charge his tablets. Uh, but so but so maybe not games, guys. But I was thinking, man, so I was thinking, guys. I was like, well, you maybe should maybe should pitch the god pitch the gods on some stuff. Uh, you know, you could do your works. You know, who maybe bring more? Like I said, this is usually when I get into trouble with the advocating. And the recruit, I'm not good at the recruitment because then I tend to either, you know, my ego takes over. And then my, um, what is it, when I'm, you know, not, right, do stuff. And then it's like, oh, boy, that's not how I meant it to go. Oh, wait, you know, where I screw it up. So I don't know if we should be partners, but, you know, uh, or finders fee. I don't know, guys. I'm going to pitch you, though, because I was like, uh, you, you know, you, 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 I don't know, like I said, I don't know if you guys keep an eye on me or what, but I get, can get irritable. And I was thinking uh, the other, just yesterday, three days in a row, actually, even today, uh, you know, guys, I almost listen to the podcast, 51A, that's my bus. Uh, three days in a row, uh, uh, three different times, because you guys know I'm like, my commute's a little bit different every day. There's been problems on the 51A line. And a lot of people waiting. You know, I get there, the bus stops are already packed at the train station, and then people, you can see it's so spent hot. People are just like uh, irritable, angry. 
And yes, so the diff, when, when second day, this guy, you know, the bus pulls up. It's a schedule where the bus driver's got to use the bathroom and stuff. And this guy's like, what? I said, where the hell? And then there was like three buses parked, but no, it was clear that people had been waiting for a while. People wanted an answer. I, I wanted to lash out just like this other guy or... And he was just, yeah, he said, right, this bus 51. I want, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, I was pissed. And so then, and then I was walking and, uh, maybe, I guess maybe it was today. And I said, well, uh, you know, I said, crone, hey, crone, hey, crone, do, 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 do. You know, I was doing my song, prayer song. And then it struck me. I said, uh, you know, you got like Yelp, right? That's something you'll figure it out, guys. You, you know, do you look it up in different ways to rate stuff? Amazon, you raise, you say, hey, or my podcast. And then that came around later in the day with uh, Summer saying, what's up? What's up with this? So I was thinking, guys, and then it's like, they say uh, scientists or, um, his philosophy, everyone says this negative energy is like not good for us. So it messes up our physical bodies, our mental bodies. And I tell you what, guys, I got a surplus of this negative energy. It's like, I'm like, if there's such thing as Godhead, like I was asking you to explain that to me, which you never did. But anyway, I don't know. I, I must have like some sort of negative font of negative energy in me. And then there's like, uh, uh, I'm going to be all over the place. There's like this, there's this Beatles song called Hide Your Love Away, right? I don't even know how it goes. I've heard it, but I can't. And then I don't, not to be honest, guys, I'm not sure what the song's about because I always take that kind of stuff the wrong way. To me, it's like, okay, yeah, you bet your ass I'm going to hide that love away. Put it in a lockbox, throw it to the bottom of the ocean, put some concrete over that ocean, and keep that thing safe inside and just pretend it doesn't, you know, love hidden away. Uh, Beatles, before I even knew about the song, I was working on it. But thank you for telling me to hide that love away because it's done. So I got that taken care of. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, it's nice to take stuff and then, you know, seal it off in a place where you can't breathe or grow or catch the light of day or connect, you know, it's safe in there. You know, it's static. You know, maybe you say, well, it's going to get a little dirty. Well, no, if it's airtight, how dirty? Well, it's not going to grow. It might have necrosis. Okay, what are you, the uh, that guy that did the experiment with stuff in a vacuum? I don't care. Love's hidden away. Debate over. I'm, I'm talking to the gods here. Please don't harass me. Sorry, guys, that's just an example why I hide stuff away. But so, and negative. So I said, well, what if there's a way to hide this negativity away, guys? You know, whoa, what, what would this good would this do to humanity? And there's another thing about us humans we like to be heard, you know, right or wrong. We say, hey, man, where the fuck is this bus? Jeez Louise, I've been waiting here. That's all that guy wanted to say, sir. And then feel like, well, the bus driver's like, I got to piss, man. I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm gonna, I'm on break, and rightly so in some sense. But in this other sense, it's like you just want somebody there to be like, 
well, one, you don't want to be told a lie, man, but, well, the bus, you know, we're, we're slacking off on purpose, all right? We, you know, or we're, you know, incredibly bureaucratic and we can't even manage our buses on time. And we don't have a flexible system. Even though we have GPSs on the bus, we don't, you know, we don't know how to manage it or whatever. We just want to be like, wow, that may, you know, we want to be heard. Maybe we don't get the answer we want. Maybe this guy, you know, and then they ended up, we got on a bus. It was so packed all three days. And I'm like, usually this bus is like boom, boom, boom. I think it's supposed to run every eight minutes or something. But I said to myself, I'm thinking about all these things. There was one other thing. Oh, GTD gods, getting things done. There's this guy, David Allen. He's like super productivity guru from, you know, like 10, 15 years ago. I, I tried to read the book. I may have tried to inter- like put his system in, but his basic thing uh, I, that I took from reading the book, maybe, and then giving up on it. But, but his basic premise that I think I heard is like, hey, get it out of your head, put it somewhere where you know it's going to be, that you'll get it done or you'll deal with it. So hide your stuff, you know, hide your to-dos. Well, you don't want to hide them away. But put your to-dos away and then get them done today or then, you know, have a system. Like Ray says, have a plan. That's what David Allen says, Get it done. Get, getting things done. Get it out of your head because you don't want it in your brain. Maybe he's like me in some sense, even though he's successful and seems efficient and, and some stuff that I'm not. Um, writes books. He probably has gotten his own system done. But, you know, he says, hey, but let's put it someplace. So I'm saying, gods, uh, okay, let's co- let's bring this all together. I know you, you're gods, obviously. We got a team of assets. How about an app just for complaining, gods? And, what, you know, if we can infuse it with spiritual power, maybe some healing energy. I don't know what to do. I don't, huh, none of you guys are into healing. Hmm, oh, boy. I mean, have some reset. I'm just joking, Barky. Obviously, you've got. Well, you for yourself, you can read you. Anyway, guys, let's put that aside. Let's not talk about religion and politics, even though I kind of is. Uh, so, what if we come up with a complaint app, gods, just for complaining? You know, what Yelp is supposed to be. Well, do I want to eat here or not? Or, uh, you know, people do it in Twitter or stuff, but it's like, well, you know, I don't want you to complain here, or I don't want to hear that. Or, you know, your boss likes to say, oh, Barry's yelling on Twitter about this. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, please don't say that. Or, you know, or it, it might not be the right, you know, I don't know. Um, but what if we had a receptacle, an application is what I'm saying, God's. And I guess that's a generic term. They used, I think they, for a little while they are calling it Web 2.0 before it was an app. It just means a, a thing that you can use on any platform. You'll, you'll understand it, guys. I'm trusting that you're guys and you're getting this. Just for complaining, not for rate, rating or reviewing. So maybe this season we could work out, you know, what, that's my pitch. Now, I know I'm not. My favorite pitch was always the Superman movie where the guy pitches, like, uh, hey, let's put a motor in a, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? Iceberg. Hey, Lex Luthor, let's put a motor in an iceberg and drive it down to, uh, I don't know, were they driving it to California? They were ahead of their time, I think. 
And they were even, that guy, I wonder if that was a famous actor that played the scientist pitching that. And he had Ned Beatty, he was uh, the comic relief to Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman, oh boy. I love Gene Hackman, love Ned Beatty too. Beatty, maybe it's Beatty, Ned Beatty. But yeah, so that was the best pitch I've had, But so I know it's not on that level of that pitch. But that's what I'm saying, guys. What if we can come up with a place for everyone to hide their complaints away? But you don't hide them. And then a bus company, you know, they say, oh, well, this is easy to ignore on Twitter. Or they say, well, or then I look like it. What, she sees scooters complaining again. I don't know. How am I going to fall asleep when I know this guy is a godhead of uh, angst and uh, complaints? So, I don't know, guys. This is why I'm pitching you. You're the gods. Maybe with your crone, you know, crone with your foresight and your backside, if you're that, you know, history. Miller, you know, let's grind the complaints up. We'll, we'll centrally put them in a bag and then say, well, this is for this company here. And, it, it, and I say, well, okay, Smith, maybe we need to hammer this idea out a little more, right? You're right. You're saying that. And I, I totally agree with you because it's like it's a little half cocked right now. Barky, you're saying, well, what, what that, well, you know, I don't want this used for evil or poison. Uh, scooter negativity is a little bit of poison. I say, okay, Barky, why don't you put some roots in it? You know, how about adding a little loamy soil in there? You know, not too much manure, but maybe we, if it's necessary. And, you know, put some shade on it, you know, maybe some trees, maybe get a little breeze going, a couple acorns, if we could hear some birds tweeting. And Jester, you say, huh, well, maybe this would be funny at the same time. You know, maybe the mean spirit, maybe having a place to hide your hide your complaints away. Uh, and you might say, well, Jesus already exists, you nincompoop. Well, okay, God, so you know, that's why I'm praying to you guys, I... I haven't elected myself a god yet, you know, so, or been elected by, you know, peers or any, you know, I haven't even been nominated for anything, not even a godship. How, did you guys get, how did that work anyway? Wait, I'm not, um, anyway, guys, that's my pitch, an app, uh, what do you think? Not even, this isn't even a money-making, I don't know if it's a money-making opportunity, probably a lawsuit-making opportunity, uh, since and that would be good for you guys. Man, well, that might be where we go from here to court. What do you think about that, guys? I don't know. So think about it. Uh, let's hide our love away, our love of complaining away, but not hide. Let's place our complaining away. Um, all right? I don't know. It's my pitch. And I know it's, um, you know, because of your wisdom, guys, I had to, I had to give you this idea and say, well, this idea in my hands is nothing but a idea I'll soon forget about and then complain again and then say, and then I say, well, why am I so alone? Oh, I hid my love away forever. Let me complain about something else now. And then I'll say, okay, well, let me relieve my complaining side by, you know, and then, you know, you know that hasn't. That's not exactly. I don't have a track track record of success. No apps have come out of that process thus far. So I said, "Well, you know, you you, you got this um, um, all star lineup here. 
the uh, freaking crone. Oh boy! Oh, you know, top of the top of the God chain in my book, top of the prayer praying. And then you got a miller, you know, so, okay, we're going to have, you know, we'll be neutral, you know. Then we got a smith, so, okay, well, hammering, melding, defending, check. We got barky, so if we need some acorns, check. So many, we need a, you know, we need a meeting place. He'll pop a grove up. We could pop up a, you know. If we, you know, stick, you know, fallen trees only, you know, make a clubhouse, whatever is needed. You know, nap time, movies, Barky knows all about movies. You know, if there's an argument in the meeting, we just say, hey, let's ask Barky. And then everyone will just laugh because, you know, like I said, Barky, that's what, you know, that's one of your powers. And then we got the gesture, so say, okay, let's, it's a Christmas party every night at this app company. And then, well, maybe then, you know, if it, you know, or you say, hey, man, let's, you know, let's not take these complaints so serious about our complaint app, and the people complaining about making a complaint app because people be complaining about them complaints, and then the actual formal complaints filed in the court of law against us, but Jester will just say, oh, you, here's what you do: you go to court, you take your pants off, and we'll say, all right, Jester, I'm on that, you got it. So that's what I said. I said, let me take this, you know, idea that seems uh, preposterous, 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 and then turn it over to the wisdom of the high, you know, higher, higher, you know, higher ups. And then maybe, you know, you guys might even, you know, like they said, that one company started as a um, another company. Maybe it was Twitter. Maybe it was Uber, definitely uh, Pied Piper. You know, Pied Piper, who knows what's going to happen this season with Pied Piper, you know? Maybe next thing you know, they'll be competing with Uber. Uh, but you'll be fly- they'll say, hey, we can transport you on song waves now. And we're not going to use aggressive tactics because, you know, we got a chill dude running the company. And we got what's Jared. Jared's, you know... And, you know, then T.J. Miller, you know, Jester, you might want to hang with him. I don't know if he's like that in real life, but you can even, I know you can hang with fictional characters, so think about that. Actually, Jester, you might, you, you those guys, you, you, yeah, I don't know if the gods, no, if Barky, you'd fit in anywhere. The rest of you gods, I don't know. But Barky and Jester, you guys should hit that up, all right? Well, all right, guys, that's, uh, that's my pitch, or... Alternatively, we could just steal the idea from the guy that was talking to Lex Luthor. I'm not sure if that's Superman 1, 2, or 3. I'm not even sure. I'm like, why was Lex Luthor taking pitches? Was that when he was he president of the United States for a short period of time? Because I thought he was in a subterranean bunker. And where, you know, so that's a question. But we could steal that idea. We definitely could use, would that work? Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, those are questions, but you guys don't even need motors. You could just move your finger, say, yeah, let's send that, uh, you know, iceberg down there. Um, uh, I had something else about Lex Luthor, but, uh, I can't remember God. So I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you in humble servitude, your servant.